Good morning, church. Keep uh, Pastor Jim and Samantha in your prayers as they're on vacation and getting a little uh, rest and celebrating their anniversary. We got Brother David Wall here with us. It's a pleasure to have him. And Brother David, I'm going to be up at Children's Church later, not in Children's, but doing Children's Church. So I need you to be extra loud so I can hear you, all right? So uh, uh, let's be praying for him as he comes and shares God's message with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time we can be together. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the gospel. That, Lord, without it, we are lost. And, Lord, we are so thankful, Lord, that for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. And, God, that you rose him again three days later. God, I pray for those in this building today that if they are not sure where they stand with you, that, Lord, they would not leave here questioning that. But, Lord, they would know without a doubt, a shadow of a doubt, Lord, that they... Uh, they know you as their Lord and Savior. God, speak through David and be with him. And we thank you for this time that we can gather together and worship you together as brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Matt. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Take your hymnals this morning and turn to number four, hymn number four. And uh, uh, usually we, we tie our hymns in with the sermon subject and since I didn't know what you was praying for we're going to sing a lot of songs that we've known all of our lives and this would be one of them number four to God be the glory join with the choir as we sing <clears throat> y'all stand to have your bulletins We've got our missionary moment today imb worker mark bus or bustrom says working with national partners is vital to long-term ministry 
Because they have keen and unique insights into their culture, he and his wife Hannah learn from their national partners so they can be more impactful with the gospel where they live. He continues, we don't do our work apart from our local partners. The Bustrams, along with their partners, have taken ownership of the mission to bring the gospel to unreached people in their European city. So let's be praying for them as and continue to give to the cooperative program as it is the financial fuel for reaching every person for Jesus in every town, city, and state, and every nation. And your support through the cooperative program gives missionaries like the Bustrams opportunities to build partnerships with local believers. And so we are thankful for uh, what God has done through the cooperative program, and it has helped me uh, getting through seminary and helping send our missionaries overseas. So let's uh, go in prayer for them. Father, we thank you for Mark Bustram and his family and the sacrifices they have made and accepting the call to be a missionary. God, we thank you for the work you are doing there in Europe. And God, be with each and every uh, missionary, believer, and God, use them in a mighty way to impact your kingdom. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy, and Lord, just for the opportunity to be able to be a part of this ministry here in Europe as we give. Thank you, Father, for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And also, to know if you can give your tithes and offering, you can either drop them off in the, uh, as you leave, either through this door or on the... There was... Oh, they're up here now down here on the step, or you can give online, or you can uh, drop your check off at, with Amy in the office on Mondays through Thursdays. And so also, uh, I won't be able to do an announcement later, but I just want to remind parents, and this is for any other adults who want to attend and, and teenagers are invited to, um, later this afternoon, three to four, we're doing a study called the Gender Dilemma, and to you know talk about what is going on in our culture, and I think it's going to be a really good topic of conversation, and it's going to be really... Uh, insightful and just an opportunity for you to hear from other parents. Maybe they've talked about some of these things when it comes to uh, the gender issues, the controversies, the debates, and just to help you understand how you can respond uh, with the gospel and with grace. And so, hey, be there. Uh, it starts today, three to four. And if you miss, that's okay because it's all on Right Now Media. And if you need help setting that up, let me know. And I will also uh, link the study to our. Uh, Highland Baptist Church page on Right Now Media so that you can find it very easily by just clicking on uh, the Highland Baptist Library. All right, well, thank you. It was good to see everybody and hear everybody singing that song just then. A lot of times when we choose a song to go with a sermon, people aren't as familiar with it. A lot of times the choir has let me know that that they didn't know a song. And I said, well, it was written in the 1800s. Why didn't you know it, you know? <clears throat> um, let's turn now, join the choir, let's sing the solid rock, 406, hymn 406.
Thank y'all. Y'all sounded good on that one, too. Our next hymn, before we sing it, I want to remind everyone the Children's Church will be gathering over here on the piano side at this time, or at least during this song. But our next song is Hymn 182, another one very familiar with everyone. But uh, again, join the choir, and this time you can stand with us, and let's sing 182, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Did I say thank you? Well, thank you. Blessed worship and music this morning. Thank you for good singing and those great old hymns. Uh, us old folks like old songs, right? Yeah. That's what the Great Division said down in First Baptist Atlanta during a concert years ago. So that's true. Acts, the book of Acts this morning. Turn with me to the book of Acts. And again, thank you for allowing us to come to this blessed pulpit and congregation, worship together with you this morning. I know a good many of you nowadays. Uh, I don't see some that I know. They may be here and I'm not seeing them. I had some friends that's supposed to be here and I don't think they are here unless they hid from me. But uh, we're all friends in Christ. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to look to our best friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Listen to his word a little bit. You pray and we'll try to be clear and say what needs to be said as God prompts. Acts chapter 4, as you turn there, I have some questions to ask you first of all. I found this years ago in some article I was reading, and I've used it from time to time and keep it stuck in my Bible. So, listen, 
What do you know about God this week that you didn't know last week? Are you growing as a disciple, maturing in the faith? What do you know about God this week that you didn't know last week? Think about it. If you hear nothing else today, that gives you plenty of menu for the week ahead, I believe. Okay? Secondly, what character trait in you does God need to change to make you more like Jesus, the Christ, our Lord? What in me does God need to transform and work on to help me be more like my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Ask yourself that. Chew on it a little bit. Chew on the fat back, you might say, okay, down in the country. Number three, who is the Holy Spirit leading you to in these days, in this week, in this time that's just before us? Three very important questions. We all need to struggle with them. And reply to God and allow God to work in us. So if you forget those, I'll be back tonight. This will still be in my Bible. If I can't remember them, I've got my cheat sheet, okay? How many of you can remember some of them already? Anybody? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, we may, we may touch on them again tonight or whenever. Acts chapter 4. I'll make a few comments before I read any scripture. But you be at Acts chapter 4 and in that, in that area. Let's once again go to the Lord in prayer, please. Holy God, eternal Father, our most righteous Savior. We have no righteousness, and yet you robe us in yours when you become our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer. Thank you for the scriptures, the truth, the veracity of all that God has said and has done and is doing and will do. And thank you for the truth, the scripture personified in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless us further in this time. Help us, Lord. We need you every hour. Through Christ our Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen. You ladies have some cutlery in your kitchen, most likely. Some butcher knives and such like. Some of you guys may carry a pocket knife. Some of you may not, but you have knives or saws or something in your toolbox or laying around the shop or the trunk of your car or whatever. You use it, you use it, and use it, and use it, and what happens to it? It gets dull and dull and dull. It has to be resharpened from time to time. Repetitiveness, continued use, tends to dull a blade. The Word of God does not lose its power. The Word of God does not lose its sharpness. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature not manifest in his sight, but all things are open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. We have to answer to him. In the Old Testament it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect, mature, complete, focused on Him. Second Chronicles 16.9, I think. So in using Scripture, in our sinful conditions, the Word of God may become dulled or have less wonder or less awe or less shock for us. Or we may give it less attention from time to time. It hasn't lost its power. It hasn't lost its quickness to give life, to bring and produce repentance. As the blade has to be resharpened, I do too. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's the work of the Word of God. And that's the word of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life, in our lives as believers in God. In original context and setting, I can't imagine how the Word of God must have been received by those early Jews and Gentiles, that first century era of time. Earth-shaking, volcanic, 
seismic, tsunami, just out of this world. But no, it's not. He came to our world. He gave us his word in the scriptures, the holy scriptures of God, and in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit to help and assist us. But we listen to the preaching and the teaching, and we sing the great hymns of our faith, and we hear stuff over and over, and it's easy just to sit back and let it flow like water off a duck's back sometime, and not penetrate to where it needs to penetrate. Not just the mind, it's only about 18 inches from the mind to the heart to the inner person, but that's a, that's a little trip sometimes for some of us to hear what God is trying to tell us, to say to us, how he's trying to instruct us and command us and direct our pathways with hearts of gratitude, with lives of reverence. We must give our full attention to the word of God. Will you join me in doing that just now as I read in chapter 4 of the book of Acts, beginning in verse 7. The background, the Pooh Bethesda in John chapter 3, there's a person healed. In chapter 3 of Acts, Peter, by, by that one by Jesus, this one, Peter and John at the beautiful gate of the temple. And there's a man lame there. And they don't have silver and gold, which he's expecting. They have something better. And he is healed. That doesn't sit well with the religious establishment. Can you imagine that? Doing good and being found fault with and criticized for. And so the disciples are taken into custody. They're held overnight because it's late in the day. And the next day, we pick up in verse 7. It's there before the authorities. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Sounds like unwittingly they're confessing there's power in the name. That something's been done that's astounding. That they don't have the authority to do. That they're not led of God. They don't allow God to lead them to do such mighty works of God. Peter then, and look how Luke describes him, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. He's healthy. Salvation means health and wholeness. Everything is brought together. The spirit of man is the interhub. It's everything else revolves off our spiritual lives. He's healthy. This is the stone, verse 11, which was set at naught of few builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Can you imagine that first declaration by Peter and those religious establishment others that may have been, may have been gathered there? That had to be earth-shattering, shaking, Seismic, tsunami. Just couldn't grasp it and grapple with it. Couldn't accept it. Wouldn't really even hear it as far as the truth that was therein. But could only, on, could only focus on themselves and what they desired and what they wanted to do as the leaders and rulers of that day. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We have been saved. As you think about that, and those Jews wearing their sandals, I first thought that must have knocked the sandals off those Jews. But no, that truth and that power in God's word didn't hit the sandals. He hit the Jews and knocked them out of their sandals. That was a bigger target, but no target is too big for God. When we're targeted of God, he can get his word across. He can get his truth across to us. The first healing miracle of the apostles, of the disciples, through this Jewish hierarchy, this, this leadership establishment team, <laughs> into a frenzy, what they had been dreading had actually taken place. What were they dreading? 
They dreaded that after the crucifixion of Jesus, there'd be even a worse error to take place. Now it's happened. These guys have healed this impotent man, this lame man. And they can all see that. And they're questioning, by what power, by what name have you done this? Wow. The healing of this lame was that problem that they couldn't answer, that they couldn't deal with, that they didn't know how in the world to handle. And so they put Peter and John, they think, on the spot. But notice, Peter answers boldly, bodaciously, I might say. He says, he's the risen Christ. He's more than just the Savior. He's the risen Christ. He's the, the, here is the lame man healed before you by the power in just the name of Jesus Christ. They had crucified the Lord Jesus, but God had raised him from the dead. And so Peter says, listen, I can tell you how this has happened. It's in the name and the person only by the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is presented as man's, sinful man's only hope for salvation. Our only rescuer and deliverer. God sent in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus. He's the only way to salvation. Again, think about the shock content for the hearers. Who's, neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Do you remember when you were saved? you remember how glorious that experience was? That's what this lame man experienced. He's made healthy, whole salvation. From lameness to wholeness. From loss to savedness to salvation. These were the educated, the trained, the experienced. They had been leading and guiding and directing the religious bodies around them for a long time. They had it all together. They knew it. There wasn't anything but what they believed and what they knew. Deuteronomy says, there is none else beside him in chapter 4, verse 35. I can read my scribbling. Moses said to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 6, 4, the Shema, what did he say? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So, these are monotheistic peoples. And now they have to deal with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all rolled into one. They didn't understand it. We don't still to today, do we? But we've experienced it. We know the Father. We know the Son. We know the Holy Spirit because he made himself known to a sinner like me. I would have never known him. You would have never known him unless he chose to reveal himself to us and personification of Christ, of God in Christ. It's the most awesome thing ever. What am I talking about? I didn't tell you the subject this morning, did I? Have you figured it out? The, I preached this a long, long time ago. One of the earliest sermons I ever preached in the 73 and 74, two or three times. Long. I hadn't preached it since. But I think about it from time. The non-otherness of the gospel. The non-otherness of the gospel. The good news of Jesus' death, bro. There's nothing like it. There's nothing to compare it to. There's nothing that can reach to it or surpass it. It is the highest ever in the whole of God's created order. Salvation that God gives and gives freely through the sacrifice of his son to be our savior. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O America. The Lord our God is one. And I learned a long time ago, one plus God is a majority. America's in trouble. We're in trouble. The Southern Baptist Convention is sick. The Tennessee Baptist Convention is sick. All of our conventions are sick. The Duck River Baptist Association is sick. Harmony Baptist, Highland Baptist, First Baptist College, we're all sick in sin as we've strayed away from God nationally. But for that to happen nationally, it has to be a lot of individuals doing that, right? 
We have met the enemy. Who's the enemy? A lot of time he's us that the devil uses and filtrates. Well, I need to stay on target. There's nothing like the gospel. It has its sharpness, it has its power, it has, has its life-givenness as much today as ever before. It will always have till God calls this order to an end and we enter the new order, that new Jerusalem, the city of God. We sing the new songs of Zion, the new Jerusalem. Israel strayed from God. The people of God strayed from God again and again and again. They left the true worship of the Lord their God. And so Israel fell into idolatry, worshiping Baal and other idols. Isn't that where America is today? We're an idolatrous nation today. We are a pagan nation, a lost nation today. Sometime in recent months or the last few years, I came to realize that our idolatry in America is Uncle Sam. Many, many, many Americans have made Uncle Sam their God. Why do I say that? They expect Uncle Sam to do everything for them. Many Christians do that nowadays. Maybe it's secular Christians or what, but many Christians want to depend on Uncle Sam more than God. Uncle Sam can do what he I had civics in, in school a long, long time ago, and there were three main functions of government. You figure them out. Not anywhere near what's taking place today. When they step beyond that, what do you see? Failure, 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 failure. They are certain to fail in everything they try to do beyond what they're supposed to do. America is an adulterous, lost nation in my time. I, I can't believe it from the time when I was saved in 19, August uh, 9th, 1953. But here's where we are. And it's clear that we're failing as Christendom in America, that we're failing as a free republic in the United States of America if we only open our eyes and look and see and perceive what's taking place across the land. Idols are dead. Idols can do nothing. Idols can't help themselves. So how can they help anyone else? Huh? Only our God, the Lord God of heaven and earth, is alive and helpful and good and working and active and powerful, omnipotent. The devil is powerful. I'll give him that. But he's not omnipotent. God has all power, all knowledge, and he's always present. He's here, right where you sit, right where we live and move and have our being. Following, the, following and after the Babylonian exile, when Israel was back to the homeland, they then acknowledged that God is supreme. Before him, the idols of the nations were seen as nothing. Uh, Isaiah 43.10 says, you are my witnesses because of what they had experienced. They knew that God was God. It may take something like that for America to wake up. I thought we'd wake up with 911. I thought we'd wake up with Desert Shield, Desert Storm. I thought we'd wake up in 1973 with the first oil embargo, the first one I can remember. I, I thought we'd wake up with the, the, the virus and Legionnaire's disease and all those other things. But we haven't turned to God as a nation, have we? We haven't turned to God as Christians in America. We look to Uncle Sam and to other ways and means of help. The psychiatrists, the psychologists, the pills. You know, it's supposed to be a pill for everything. The less pills you take, the better off you're going to be. Works for me anyway. In the, in the minds of the enemies of Jesus, his supreme offense was his claim to be equal with the Father. Blasphemy. My father worketh here the two, and I work, he said in John 5, 7. Turn to John 5, 17. We might as well turn. You can, you got your swords, draw them. You should have them. Like a carpenter going to work without his hammer, he's not going to do much good. A teacher going to work without a pencil, she's not going to do much good. A Christian without his Bible is not going to do much good. So, John chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus said, what did I say? My father worketh hitherto, and I work. And then look, therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath by healing others, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. 
Then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that he himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. A dead old sinner repenting in faith receiving the Lord Jesus Christ and being gloriously saved. Nothing like repentance for a straying Christian. We confess our need and we're restored in right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can rejoice and rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation, your self-control be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. He's near. Before his crucifixion, Jesus appeared before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, the high court of the land. And we have courts and courts and courts and high, high courts and the highest courts in heaven. The real supreme courts, God's court, and there's only, only one attorney of record, only one advocate, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You got him, you got it covered. If you don't, you're in trouble. So Jesus has appeared before the high council. And now his followers, his disciples, Peter and John, and others are being brought under accusation. They're undergoing the same persecution. So by what power, by what name is this man made whole? Have you done this? There. Man, we, we got them now. We got them encircled by all of us, all of us educated ignoramuses. Oh, well, I didn't say that. They were wrong. If Peter and John were on the spot, it was about that long. Peter turned the tables. He wasn't on the defensive, but on the offensive. Boldly, he affirms the Lord Jesus Christ, the only source of salvation. Writ, ritual, tradition, good works, none of those things are ever able to provide righteousness for sinful persons. The only righteousness that's provided is God's righteousness in Christ. And if you're wearing the robe of righteousness that Jesus gives to you when you're saved, you're okay. If you don't receive Jesus and the righteousness he provides, you ain't never going to be righteous. Pardon my English. But ain't in the dictionary now, right? Is it? I think. Y'all are awful quiet this morning. I need some scotchers out there. Anybody ever say amen around here? Amen. Oh, Okay. Somebody's awake. I'm trying to be. I like to sleep and I like to eat, but I like to preach. I enjoy preaching also. Verse 8, Peter's described how? Luke makes sure he said he's filled with who? The Holy Spirit. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. The unique revelation of God in the Old Testament, complemented by the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God in the New Testament, gives full proof of salvation being only in Jesus Christ and him alone. The Old Testament is, a search of a, is the story of a great search. The New Testament is the story of a great find. In the Old Testament, Isaac asked Father Abraham, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? John the Baptist in John chapter 1 comes strolling along. He says, behold, the Lamb of God which taken away the sin of the world, the greatest find ever, the non-otherness of the gospel. There's nothing like it. Its edge is always sharp. It's always powerful. It's always life-giving. God's Got it. Some of you folks are like Pat and I. You've been married a long time. I read this several years back. An older missionary couple, older preacher couple, older Christian couple, whatever. But they, they'd been married so long and grown so much in, in likeness and understanding and communication that they could tell when, when the other was kind of out of kelter, not on track, and they just flash the sign to one another for encouragement. You've seen this sign? Anybody seen this sign? Ms. Ms. Ron has. What's, what's it say? God's got it. Right? God's got Whatever it is, God's got it for his child, for his children. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so God's people endorsed and gained a new expression in the Christian gospel. 
the gospel insists, as Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 says, on what? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all of us. The first century Christian messengers went out positive. They knew they were on the winning team. They knew, realized, fully cognizant that they had the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. That the gospel truths could not be compromised with evil and or with error. And so to the nations, to the peoples of the world, to their idols, they provided not a gospel, but the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not produce the gospels. They, they recorded them, but it was the resurrection that produced the Gospels. And so those guys gave their testimony, their real-life experience, that God raises the dead, that God is God and on his throne, and nothing can hinder the work of God. So in bold courage, they get, they just go head on with the pagan world of their time. Did, did anybody hear? Peter and John, those apostles, those disciples, those first century Christians, they went head on with the paganistic beliefs and actions of the culture around them. What an example. Why aren't we following? We bemoan, we bemoan the lowering and lowering and lowering of the standards in America and the values and precepts. We're intrinsically approving of it by doing nothing, by not standing on holy ground and being worthy warriors and soldiers of the cross and holding high the banner of our God and his Christ. Those early disciples, those first century believers called for a complete turn from the past. And we better get there. I heard someone say in the last day or two, and I think it from time to time, what kind of America, what kind of a nation, what kind of a country are my children's children and my great-grandchildren going to grow up in. The education of nowadays is not the education that many of us older folks received long ago when we had civics and Bible in school. We still have prayer because Jesus is going to pray when we got a big test ahead of them. I appreciate your letters to the editor, girl. Keep on writing. And others I'd read also. But I know her, so I really appreciate those. The power of the gospel message has to be carried by a new life. The newness of the gospel can't be put in old wineskins. The power, the life of the gospel of Jesus Christ in old wineskins is going to burst those old wineskins. It goes into new wineskins. It has to be carried by a new life, a changed life, a transformed life, a life that's totally turned around and different, that's allowing God to work in it all the time. The Holy Spirit can place the gospel in new methodology. That's okay. It can be spread by the TV waves, the radio waves, the social media, and print, all kinds of things nowadays. But it's the same old gospel. Christina Rosetta penned these few lines a long time ago. None of the lamb, none of the name, none of the hope in heaven or earth or sea, none of the hiding place from guilt and shame, none beside thee. The non-otherness of the gospel. There's nothing like it. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby I must be saved. The establishment tried to silence Peter and John. You know their answer if you read in this area where I'm preaching from. Hey guys, should we pay more attention to you in your direction, earn to God. And in Acts 5 and 20, they gave the answer. But we cannot bespeak the things which we have seen and heard. And if that were true in Christianity, in America today, in, Christian, in Christendom that we know about and we're a part of, then that still works. We cannot but speak what we've seen and heard. And those guys, what soldiers of the cross, what Christians, what armor bearers, what holders up of the banner of Christ, 
they carried forward the message of the cross and of the resurrection and assured the survival of the faith and the evangelism which you and I have experienced and are, are experiencing and should carry to others out in our culture. Since we believe the gospel that there's nothing like it, since we've experienced nothing like the gospel in all of our lifetime, oh, it's a wonder when there's seismic activity somewhere in the world again and again. Oh, there's nothing like tsunamis taking place, tornadoes and hurricanes, all the stuff that happens, floods and wildfires and all that, the birth of our children, the marriages that we come into. Those are awesome and special events. And it's great when a, when a saint of God gets to go to heaven and release from the confines of this world. But in all of that, there's nothing like the good news that Jesus loves me and died for me and saved me from my sin, the debt I owe that I could never pay. He paid it in full, instantly, freely. And he rejoiced to do that. Because we believe that, don't let anything hinder us from speaking and sharing what we've seen and what we've seen, what we know of God and his word, of his son and of his Holy Spirit. Paul, as I'll wrap up, he asked the Galatians long ago in chapter 5, verse 7, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Who hinders us that we should not obey the truth, that we should not follow in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? In Acts chapter 8, one of the fantastic chapters that I love so much, Ethiopian meets Philip across the desert. And he sees water after they've talked about the suffering servant passage of Isaiah 52 and 53. He says, hey, here's water. What does hinder me from being baptized? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. None of the name under heaven to give among men, whereby we must be saved. Let me close with one other verse. Turn to the end of Acts. The end of Acts. Chapter 28 the number of chapters in Acts. It closes with verse 31. It closes with an adverb, oddly enough. And so the book of Acts didn't really end long ago. Christians are still carrying forward the acts of the Holy Spirit of God, the power and the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 30 says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hard house and received all that came in unto him. And this is what he was doing. Verse 31, the last words of Acts preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Unhinderedly, unhinderedly, what doth hinder us that we should not obey the Christ who has redeemed us and saved us? The non-otherness of the gospel. There is nothing like it. It's sharp and life-giving and joy-filling in our lives. I've said enough. I pray the Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God and the joint worship has allowed you to receive something that you need this morning for encouragement and that we've been challenged to know that we are a part of the problems in America today. We are. The pagans are just doing what pagans do. Christians need to be doing what Christians do. Let God Allow God to use us in answering the problems. The church needs repentance and revival. Wherever Christians are, we need repentance and revival. And when that happens, God can give us spiritual awakening like he's done over the times of history. When scores and hundreds and thousands and millions of the unredeemed are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Father, thank you that your truth is unhindered, and that your people to be, are to be bold and courageous and speak the things which we know of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what you've taught us, in the, taught us in the Scriptures, how you've nurtured us in life and enabled us to be used of you. Bless this assembly this morning where Christians are gathered across our land. Embolden us. Build us up in the faith. Help us to take courage and step forward and stand as soldiers of the cross. There's any in the hearing of our voice this morning that's never repented of their sin, admitted they need something to be changed in their life. They need a whole being changed, a whole transformation in childlike faith. 
trust and receive the Lord Jesus Christ and be gloriously saved. Father, do your work in our midst, among us as mostly believers gathered here this morning. We pray to the end that there will be revival, repentance and revival and spiritual awakening in America and a correction of our courses one by one by one by one until America turns around and returns to God, our maker, our creator, our establisher, forgives of every sin through Jesus Christ our Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen. Our hymn of invitation, I didn't even look, but we've got a hymn of invitation this morning. Brother? 321. 321. Standing and singing together, praying at the altar, praying where you are, praying in the aisles. You need to make a rededication. You need Jesus. You need to take care of it now. This is the day, this is the hour of salvation. Don't hold it off. If I can take Jesus out of my heart for two seconds, give you, you'd never give me back. I can't do that. But I can be a midwife and can be in the birth process with a microphone. Thank you, Brother David, for your message. Uh, as most of you probably know, I'm not Jason this morning. He is homesick, so my first prayer concern is for Jason and his family. I think they've been fighting the flu or something for some time now. So uh, please remember them in your prayers because I know they're trying to, trying to get well. Uh, several announcements here I'll give. Uh, I just got handed a note this morning. The family of Esther Johnson, please remember them. She passed away. Uh, Yesterday, I believe it is, according to the note I've got here, with a heart attack. So the family of Esther Johnson, they're relatively new members of the church here, I believe. Uh, I don't know them well, but uh, please remember them right now in her arrangement. There are no arrangements given at this point in time that I know of. Uh, a couple other announcements from Linda Smith. Uh, Awana and Wednesday night meals have been canceled for this coming Wednesday. That's the 26th. Uh, she says to look for Awana videos on the church uh, Facebook page or on the church YouTube website uh, so the children can learn their scripture verse and practice the songs that Ms. Rima will be doing 
uh, in the music rotation, correct? Okay. Uh, also from Mark Smith, announcement that uh, there's a recommendation that will be presented next week in special call business meeting. Uh, I don't know if it's Sunday morning or Sunday evening. I'm not sure which. Do we know, Mike? Morning? Okay, it'll be at the end of the service on Monday, Sunday, next Sunday morning. Regarding the position of treasurer, as you know, Pat has finally worn down. And is, we're gonna, she's going to continue to be helping out. We're not, she's not deserting us. But we do have a recommendation on how to handle the, the treasury duties over the next few weeks. There are copies of the recommendation that will be presented, I believe, on both sides up here on the podium. So if you'd like to see what's going to be recommended, uh, pick up one of those, and we'll be voting on that in special calls business meeting next week. Uh, so uh, keep that in your prayers. Uh, yeah, I think that's all on that right at the moment. And I think it's the final position thing. There's a scholarship committee meeting after service or when? Okay, Mickey, when is that going to be? Okay, right after service in the conference room. So if you're on the scholarship, oh, the church office. Okay, in the church office. If you're uh, on the scholarship committee, uh, meet with Mickey here right after service. Is there any other announcements or per concerns? Uh, special per concerns for the Esther Phillips and Charles Cannon both passed away this week. Services were yesterday or Friday and yesterday. Uh, please keep those families in your prayers. They've been special people around here at our church for a long time. So remember them. Yes. Okay. Okay. So remember Brian and his family because his dad passed away four years ago. Okay. Yes, please do. Any other announcements or per concerns that I failed to mention this morning? Then join me, please, in prayer as we go to the Lord. Thank him for this day, for our time together, and just praise him for who he is. We praise you, Father, your almighty God, your everlasting Father, your Prince of Peace, you're our wonderful counselor. You never forsake us, you never forget us. You're always in our lives. Whether we pay attention to you or not is up to us. Uh, but we need to, we just always need to remember you're always there. You don't forsake us. Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for the beautiful weather. Thank you for safety in the cold. I know it's been, some people appreciate the cold like this and some people don't. It doesn't matter. It's, a, it's your gift to us and you're there with us through it all. We praise you, Father. Bless us in our time together now and as we go from here in this place. Remember these we mentioned in prayer this morning, our, our church activities and other things that are going on, Father. Just continue to be with us, guide us, direct us, and may your will be done, and may we bring praise and honor to your holy name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.